Hi, everybody. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews agency owners, founders, and executives from around the world about operations, growth, and scale. Episodes can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. In today's episode, we welcome back Matt and Brendan, co-founders of Rev Partners. When we last checked in with them, they were the fastest HubSpot Solutions partner ever to reach the diamond tier of the program. Now, they return to the show as the fastest ever to reach the elite tier. We chat about their lessons learned along the way, and Matt and Brendan offer actionable insights, frameworks, and the specific steps they took to reach the elite tier of HubSpot's partner program in just under 16 months. First, we discuss scaling operations. Do they do anything unique or against the grain operationally? How do they sell and how do they define their service offering? Second, we discuss scaling people operations. How has their org chart evolved over time? How do they identify the right headcount needs and priorities? And how do they recruit the right people and keep their top performing talent? And third, we discuss scaling demand. Does Rev Partners have a traditional sales org? And how has their approach to content creation and marketing with an emphasis on repurposing content, helps spark their growth. Agency Unfiltered starts right now. Brendan and Matt, welcome uh, back to Agency Unfiltered. How are we doing, guys? We're doing well. I think it's been, what, about a year since mm-hmm. we last spoke? You were uh, about to have your first, and and now we're about a year year from that, that, that date. It's kind of exciting. That is right, right. Uh, yeah, we can kind of anchor. So uh, as of recording today, my little one is 11 months, and so maybe it's been about 12, 13 months since we connected, right? Um, yeah, and I think we... We opened up about sports last time, so I think it's important that we also close the loop there that um, my Atlanta Braves won a World Series and my Georgia Bulldogs won a college national championship. So I'm feeling I'm feeling like I'm one-upping you right now, which won't last long, but it feels good because I know your Celtics are about to start the uh, NBA championship. That's right. Uh, yeah, you, you, you took a lot of flack. Um, but a lot of a lot of sports uh, life has been lived uh, <laughs> to, to, to better support the life of Atlanteans and Georgians. So yeah, you know you get to take that victory lap, uh, and hopefully by episode three we can circle back <laughs> once more uh, and really talk about the success of this Boston Celtics team. Homegrown, you know, real great squad, depth, defense, but uh, but yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, Matt doesn't care anything about sports, so that's why you're also making him be very, very quiet. Oh, I love sports. I do not care about the Atlanta Braves or any teams that complain about losing that have winning teams. So that could be all Boston sports teams and all Atlanta sports teams that have winners. Where uh, I'm from, Mississippi, we don't even have a team. So that's that's more my stance. Okay, so you're just yeah, you're Switzerland. You're staying out of it. Um, which is fair, but I like to think that you'll just root for Boston, at least in this NBA series, you know, for me, you know, in support of what I got going on. Um, and we don't, I mean, maybe the next episode we can talk about Freddie Freeman and that whole departure. I can imagine oh, that's man. like, that's a sour spot, you know, on the, yeah, you, you had to go there, didn't you? Yeah, you know, all right, but I got to get one more lick in, you know, um, we can talk about Mookie Betts too. If you no, like. no, yeah, yeah, that's the, all right. Fair, fair. Uh, teammates now, to be honest. 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, guys, uh, uh, Rev Partners con- continues to climb the mountain that is the Solutions Partner Program. And I think uh, last episode, we talked about uh, a very rapid ascension to, I believe, the diamond tier. Uh, and so it sounds like you have some even more exciting news to drop in this episode, which is really like the bedrock of, of the, the rest of the conversation. And so I'll let you guys share the, share the success story to kick us off. I'll do it then. I'll keep it nice and succinct. <laughs> so, yeah, we first came last time. We were the fastest to platinum and diamond. And so when we left, it was, are you going to be the fastest to elite? We said yes. And so we're back to say we're now the fastest to elite. So it's platinum in three months, diamond in five months. The elite took longer, took total of 15 months. Um, so that's why we're back. And we have had lots of growing pains uh, and success stories, so like just lots of learnings during that time as we've prep to scale. Yeah, I think it's, there's a broader narrative there too. I think, you know, we've been very fortunate. Um, but the, the reality is it's, it's more the positioning of HubSpot. Like HubSpot wants to be the CRM platform for scaling companies. And, you know, for us, it was, I think we we're very fortunate from a timing perspective. Like we, we looked at the landscape of HubSpot and you have four stakeholders that are really that we saw, I mean, you've got the digital marketing agencies as one, mm-hmm. um, you've got the ISVs as another, uh, really the software vendors, then you've mm-hmm. got um, looking at systems integrators and ultimately the customer base. And what we saw is a gap really in the market and that systems integrator focusing on the CRM. Um, and so it's just been, you know, it's been a really fun ride. And to Matt's point, <laughs> there's all a lot of lessons learned. So with that kind of speed and growth, you also have a lot of uh, bumps and bruises along the way. Yeah. Well, uh, the the crux of this podcast is to dip into the growing pains and lessons learned. Uh, and uh, certainly, again, congrats again. Uh, it's such an impressive feat. Um, and so I'm excited to dig into all this stuff uh, and more. Um, sounds like you you read an opportunity, you hypothesized on an opportunity and it paid off, right? You mentioned scale a couple times. Um, that that feels like the theme of the episode, the, the scaling edition of Agency Unfiltered. And categorically... I think we should hit on a number of different things, right? We can talk about uh, operations, internal operationalization of certain processes, things there, how you scaled. We can talk about people. I can imagine growing from platinum to diamond and elite. Uh, there's a, a, a impact to your org chart and the types of folks you need to hire, the quantity of folks you need to hire. We can get into that and more. And then I think just uh, demand, right? And, and how you kept business in the door, I think there's no secret. Uh, some of the, the the metrics to obtain to reach elite, right? Those are not easy tasks, and so you need to build a marketing or a sales engine to to you know feed the business with that that type of demand. So we'll we'll cover all that more if that sounds good. Uh, but maybe the best place to start, and let me know if you guys agree, is is around scaling operations, and maybe more specifically, and let me know if it's too broad. But would you attribute? your rise to elite in the speed in which you did it to anything that you're doing that's unique or like against the grain or against the norm from like an operational perspective? Is that, was that the secret sauce? That's a hard question. I'm thinking, oh gosh. Uh, so I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Cause I think yes is the right answer in this instance. Fair. Uh, okay. It is, uh, but it may be different than what you think about. So there's nothing special about delivering marketing ops, revenue ops, or sales ops. What we did, you think about scale is, and we talk about scaling operations, but there's really, there's the supply and the demand curve. And the issue as we're going through like building a service company 
that's a, like system integrated HubSpot is, is uh, the problem we run into over and over and over again is we would create too much demand, quality would decrease. We would stop creating demand, supply would increase, and then we're losing money, need cash flow. And it's the back and forth of those two things. And so to get really good and to scale, you must be able to train people extraordinarily quickly have um, and be able to retain your best talent. And so is there, if I was like, what are the secrets? It's like, how do you create a culture where people want to stay, especially in the environment of where everybody, <laughs> where most people want to leave or like this great resignation? When we were on last time, I think one of the things we talked about was uh, over-investing on delivery. Like that was one of the key lessons that we learned. And so Andrew Leiden, who runs our delivery practice, has really built that out. And like one of the things we learned early on, uh, was Matt was supposed to run delivery. And he decided, I don't like running delivery. Uh, and so we brought in somebody to, to build that out. And that was one of the big takeaways from us last time. Uh, I, I think what we've learned is not only how to structure delivery, but ultimately to Matt's point, how do we train? Um, and how do we think through playbooks and how do we standardize? Because if we can standardize, we can scale. The other thing that, that we've learned is um, we have learned how to say no. <laughs> um, and it was really hard to say no at the beginning. Um, and we've gotten more and more laser focus on HubSpot. You know, so when we, when we started in a RevOps managed service model, um, we were supporting Salesforce and HubSpot. Like we had both kind of streams going. Um, and it was really scary to say like, we're not going to continue to support Salesforce. Is HubSpot ready for that? Um, but like what we, what we kind of quickly realized is you can't scale a services company when you're distracted. Uh, and so we had to be very, very focused on what we do and how we do it. Because if we do that and we almost, that almost becomes a product itself that you can actually scale. But the more you say yes to different things, you're ultimately saying no to certain things. And we just really honed in on that message uh, and found that to be another lever for us for growth. It's interesting, right? Yeah, it's it's always hard to say no. I would imagine every single agency, services provider, solutions partner, they all agree, right? Like that that is something incredibly difficult. You mentioned one of the one of the important aspects of of scaling and growing quickly is being able to train your people fast as well. And I would imagine that a ripple effect of consolidating the systems that you work with it streamlined your ability to train people, right? I mean, two large platforms require, you know, uh, all of the training and comfortability and familiarity consolidated down to just HubSpot. Is that a, is that a fair assessment? Did it did it streamline your ability to build these training programs for your folks? Yes. Let me, I think it'd be helpful a minute to try to be specific as we like answered. Like we said, if we said our special, our special, what makes us special is the ability to train talent right quickly and to be able to put them in like get them working and get them to a quality where people like wow so um and the way we did it is and there's a few i'm gonna like five five bullets in sequential order number one is we raised and we said this last time is we are we had a seed round before we started yeah so we uh, that allowed us to over hire and have a um, had a we we hired our first hire was our head of operations our COO and he did not do delivery mm. like he did he has one part like a one partner but all he thought about his entire time is systemizing stuff so like that's different like most people like that's a hire afterwards so there's just we had a person focused from the very beginning and we were running net profit losses we were losing money mm -hmm. month over month over month. That was number one. We hired, we, we took seed money. Number two is we hired the CEO of the president to look at that. Number three 
is we standardize what we sold. So what we sold, we had looked exactly, we had a playbook on exactly how it was delivered and mm-hmm. we standardized as much as possible. So that means that, that that's beginning to be, okay, we, we can no, we, it wasn't, we can no longer say yes to anything besides HubSpot because that will not let us scale. Yep. So that was like number three is you have niche. And that, that means like, we're not saying yes to clay, but we're not like, you look at marketing. We're not saying any, if you're not a HubSpot tech stack, we do not work with you mm-hmm. and period. That's number three. Number four, number, number three is um, standardize on your products, which requires you to specialize. Number four is this is, is n- when we would hire a new person, there's a three week training period where they do not take on a, uh, or, or have a conversation with a partner, we call them clients. Yeah. And so we have a 90, so that's like, we have, we create a graduation program. Like you will do, we have 90 days, your first three weeks, you're going to get a certain amount of certifications. Uh, you have a very specific program that you're following. Uh, you're going to have to do a few playbooks, uh, almost like HubSpot does where, where you have to go through and build your own HubSpot instance with yeah. a fake, fake company. And then number five is as you start growing, the next thing you have to do is you almost have to, you have to put a manager on top of, and you call it middle manager. Yeah. And so what that allowed us to do is then nobody, everybody had, we created the middle manager that allowed us to then like speak into during graduation. Like nobody has an interaction with a client without their manager for their first client. So like those five things are really how we started to train and scale. No, that, uh, yeah, that's alpha framework. Um, you mentioned the COO comes in and like, okay, at least out of the gate, primary focus is to systemize. You also said standardize as it relates to like who you're trying to work with and the systems that they need to be on to be able to be a client or partner of your team. As you've grown, have you seen the, I'm trying to think of the best way to ask this. Like, have you seen the standardization or the systemization change? right? Like the requirements to work with you, has that changed the way in which you templatize the processes internally, what you do do or what you don't do? Like has you, has growth been a factor to the templates, playbooks, and standardization you put into place? If that's, a, if that makes sense. Here's, here's, a, here's, I'll say, so we're building a place. So this is any, anytime you're building any company is you're thinking about growth. You're trying to standardize and you're trying to systemize as you go. And the reality is that you're going to hit unknown unknowns. And so you have to be both flexible yet rigid. And so how do you incorporate that? So when you think about it, we had, we took a system and this is what I think Leiden did a great job of is how do you create, um, RevOps is, and we do specifically is a very isolating job. It's very isolating sometimes to be with partners. So like, how do you, how do you internalize all these learnings? Cause you have net new problems. So we have examples. We have a weekly hour long problem solving where every strategist gets on a call and we, we just talk about questions and it started with two or three people and now we'll have 10, 12, you know, 14 people. And it's just, people are just giving lessons to each other. Here's what, here's the problem I have. How did you solve it? So we did that. That's number one. Number two is in Slack, we have a HubSpot channel and we're just constantly asking questions and answering. And then, uh, and then it goes to the train and that's on top of training. So you're coming out is the only way you can learn or standardize. And we're, then we're taking all these learnings. We created a playbook team. And so at about you know 15 people to 20 people, we created a team that does not do all they think about 
is standardizing products. We essentially created a product team within the company where they are taking products, standardizing them, and then all the, and then like we, we're growing that. And then when a strategist has that playbook or encounters that problem, they say, Hey, playbook team, can you do this? And we can do it in fraction of the time because we have a product team that's essentially a serve, like a product as a service. And they just ask request and we're building out that team as we grow. That's really interesting. Uh, I hadn't heard of that before, but I bet the value is just, it, there's an immense amount of value to extract from a dedicated team of playbook creation. And to, just to confirm, I think you said this, but they're also not, like, are they on client work or is it just strictly internal playbook they, and no, process refinement? Development? They are helping. So the answer is both, right? There's like one person, they're going to have like one client. So they understand that, like the, the pain points. Sure. But like the okay. team is then creating playbooks and they're helping deliver for clients, but they're not client facing. So think of it like it's like a software. You Got it. At, hey, I need help. It goes into it and now they do it. Um, and then the next point of this is just the point is, is like you think about training is, this allows someone that knows nothing about sales ops to come in and become a rev ops expert. So like the issue in HubSpot is there's not enough talent that knows revenue operations, <laughs> all in Salesforce. And, and, and so like, how are we like this standardization allows us to teach and hire from more diverse backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it, it probably helps to take even a step back. Um, to what, Cause when Matt's talking about how, what informs what we do and like, there's a whole vision and mission and everything that we implement and think about from a product, how we deliver is tied to that. So like our vision is all around how do we unlock latent potential for human flourishing? And our mission gets into how do we democratize revenue operations by making it accessible, consumable, and actionable. Uh, and so when we think about how does that impact our process, how does it impact our people, products, et cetera, it all fits into that narrative. Uh, and so what Matt's talking about when we, when we think about playbooks, that, that's leverage. That's also how do we democratize revenue operations? Because if we can create a translation layer, then we are allowed, like the recruitment becomes much easier because we have a, a training program in place to bring people on and we can effectively scale. Yeah, no, that's great. No, thanks for uh, bringing it back to, to kind of the mission. Um, I want to get into the training program in a second, um, but uh, you first need people to enter that training program, right? And I think uh, you've alluded to this too, uh, built a playbook team, actively growing the playbook team. How else have you shaped and built out and put together your org chart in relation to the growth that you've seen as an organization? Like where, what's your, what's your approach for, for building out the team as the company grows? Where are you allocating headcount? We, we recently brought ahead of people ops. So Jen came on, gosh, what Matt, about two months ago, hmm. um, because of, just the amount of people that we've brought on and how, how much we're looking to grow. Um, I mean, we've, we went from two to 34 in about 15 months. Um, and we will likely double that over the next, you know, 12 months. Mm -hmm. So, um, we knew that we needed to not only create, you know, have that function to bring in people, but ultimately protect and preserve our culture as we continue to grow. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so that was an investment that we made. Uh, I mean, really what we saw, like to get to the question around people, like bringing people in, I mean, it's, think of it like, um, like PPC versus organic. Like when you're building a brand, like we had to pay for recruiters to get people in the door sure. uh, because we didn't have a brand 
established yet. But as that brand has grown, what we found is that from a recruiting perspective, uh, people are coming to us now and it's much easier for us to find than the early phases where it was like, hey, we're building this cool company and you should you should join because we have this really cool mission and vision and how we're trying to create it. Um, it's a much different inflection point, if you will. It doesn't mean it's perfect, um, but we've made a heavy investment on the people side, both in terms of continuing to bring in people, but ultimately how do we create that culture that we think is fairly unique in, in the market. Yeah. The PPC versus SEO metaphor. Yeah, I, I love that. It makes a ton of sense. Yeah, um, go ahead, put it at home. We would get like we'd put in a job application. We would have a hundred of submissions, and we there's no way for us to operationalize that. Uh, and so, like, just like this, recruiting is less. Um, um, recruiting goes to demand gen. In my point, I, I see like when I think of demand, I don't think I think demand of both people coming uh, that like want to work for the company, yeah. uh, and people that want to work with the company. And so, I, I actually see those two things as very, very similar. Uh, and yeah, this is a point. No, it's great. You know, uh, you had mentioned, I think it was you, Matt, that, uh, yeah, it's hard to find talent out there with the pre-existing knowledge and experience around like RevOps as it relates to HubSpot or like some of the more like technical complex aspects. You also mentioned that, uh, that, that you've been able to bring in a slate of, of new hires and candidates with like a diverse slate of backgrounds. What sort of backgrounds and experiences do you feel bode well for, uh, you know, training them and turning them into RevOps professionals. I did a whole series with HubSpot called Becoming the HubSpot Admin and the five stages. I highly recommend looking at that. That has all my thoughts there. This is a, is, uh, and I, I talked to a RevOps recruiter and, and all this, like, and I, and I experienced this as a hire is, I just say this is to be Rev, like to, to be successful in this, in a systems integrator role, you must number one, know relational databases, and number two, um, or I'm going to do three, relational databases, no SQL, number three, no pipeline metrics or sales ops really well. Now we can, we teach all those things, but like if someone came and had all those, we'd be like, it would be, be a much easier training process. Where we see most people in the HubSpot ecosystem come from is they're talking about SEO and organic, like organic traffic and how to do nurture campaigns. Uh, and it's just like a that's good, but it's marketing shifting. Even marketing is shifting now. You are now have a quota and you're now being judged based on not you know, number of MQLs. It's did, did inbound as a drive or influence revenue. Uh, so like the lower you can get down in that funnel and understand those funnel metrics, the better and more successful you'll be with RevOps. Yeah. How does the, how does the, that manifest in the training program that you've referenced? Like what, how have you put that together and what's your method and approach for teaching the must have skills to turn these folks again into RevOps professionals? So it's an eight day program. Uh, step one of the 90 days is we have a fake client that is very difficult to work with. Uh, and we're teaching. And so it goes through, can you, can you map processes? We use Miro on a, on a visualization board. Yeah. Yes or no. Yep. And so you'll see like, by the way, this is straight from the five stages. Can you map um, and visualize? Do you have uh, 10 or 10 or more certifications? Yes or no. Um, can you build out a multi-tier if then sequence and workflows? Yes or no. Um, and can you uh, run a reoccurring meeting into a project plan? Yes or no. And so when our graduation is, you've accomplished those said things. 
you have graduated and then you're getting, and while you're doing that, you're getting clients. Um, and then after 90 days, we make it a big hoopla, like 90 days at RP is like, uh, is like a, a year somewhere else. Uh, and you come out and you're now the whole idea, we actually call it becoming lethal because we're like untraining some bad habits. Yeah. So it's yeah, like becoming lethal. Yeah. And then after you get out of the 90 days, we say staying sharp mm. uh, because it's this idea of how do you PM well? How do you, uh, as a PMP, you know, like we, we're, I'm a, we train people to be PMPs, yep. uh, project, project managers, and then also how to, uh, how to think go to market strategies and execute only in HubSpot. That's great. The answer. So, yeah. Um, do you have uh, gear and or T-shirts that say becoming lethal? Do you, I mean, do, you know, do you lean into that as a catchphrase? The answer is now, as of right now, yes. <laughs> Fair. Got it. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think there's there, an there agency lot, unfiltered there shirt catchphrases for you'll see. Yeah. Uh, if, if you could see Matt's background right now, it would be a poster that says do it big, which is uh, one of our catchphrases for sure. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, always a fan of a good, good catchphrase. Um, now, maybe my last question on people, I do want to get into the demand engine. You mentioned that kind of the supply and demand, the balance there. I think the last question I have on people, Brendan, I think you had alluded to this with the hire of people ops, but it's like, okay, you put all this work into finding the talent, training the talent, getting them to become lethal. What do you have in place for retaining the top talent? Uh, how do you guys think about culture? How do you guys think about, uh, you know, employee experience? Like, how are you ensuring that you're retaining these, these folks? I think this gets back to this gets back to culture. I mean, we it's not perfect. We like I'll be very candid. Like we've created such good people that we've lost people. Like we have had people that actually go to our customers. Uh, we've had people go to our competitors. Um, it's not, but that to us is a testament to us satisfying kind of the vision and mission. It's like unlocking latent potential for human flourishing means that sometimes that exit is like allows them to hit that next phase. Um, or, and so that, that's a lot of what we've seen and, and what we've tried to create in every exit interview we've had with those people, even is like the culture here is fantastic. It's just, this is the next phase for me, but really what we're trying to create is like, I think Matt even talks about it from his like military experience. Like sometimes you don't necessarily understand what you've created until the end. And like, we can't control that, but what we can control is like how we treat our people. Like for some examples, like we have the last Friday of every month off. Like we try to create this whole value of do your best, not your all. Like we create a space for them. We look at how do we limit, um, like we have a way in which we deliver for people, which we call like efficiency. And so we think through how much capacity does each person have? And like a lot, oftentimes what we hear is people are overworked and they're tired. And like, so how do we create a um, high touch, low volume delivery model um, where we actually love and treat our people really well? Like we, we ultimately want to create that um, environment where they can excel at work, but also an environment where they are loved for who they are, not what they do. And so like, there's a lot of things that we could talk about practically and Matt, feel free to chime in here, but to create that environment of belonging um, that is candidly kind of hard to do in a COVID context when we're distributed. Uh, but I think that is part of the secret sauce of what's made us um, successful. No, that's great. I, yeah, I created, I had a space there in case, Matt, you wanted to, Brendan teed you up. So I wanted to see if you had an extra thought on that. Oh, I was, I'll, I'll come for the swing if, if Brendan <laughs> tees me up for it. Is, I'm going to say this very clear, and I don't, Brendan said a lot of good things, is revenue operations, you could, marketing operations for that, or it just like this role is a thankless, isolating job. I've done it for other companies. Uh, I felt it. You are many times a team of one. 
and if you do have people, you have one or two managers, you have a, you have to constantly influence people without direct authority. And it just is hard. And so some, sometimes all you get is a thank you. Uh, and you just never get this appreciation. So part of, I think like a bigger is this idea of community. And what we're trying to create inside Rev Partners is like, you can be the jack of the, an army of one. You can be super knowledgeable. And we have a place where we're like, you can share and we will celebrate with other practitioners of your craft. We are creating RevOps experts. We're going to change the world through RevOps. We're going to democratize it. We're going to train like in... And it is powerful to see it. And so there's a sense of, we're trying to create a sense of belonging. And we have a lot of different mechanisms for doing that, which Britain was starting to do that. We have like a feedback as a gift channel where we get feedback constantly. We have bonusly, which is where we give bonusly points, which is real money. And you can like, we give everybody $10 a month where you can like give money away to people when you see something awesome. And so we just have all these mechanisms to like how you create, like for that community to say, we are like, you are seen, you are known, you are loved and you are awesome. And so how do you keep that? It was, what's been cool, or cool, I shouldn't probably use it in a podcast, but I will. Uh, what has been really fun to see is like our like our team leads that now. Like Matt and I kind of talk about, hey, directionally, but like we have a culture club and like they are coming up with ideas. Like we have, like recently we came up with two new Slack channels. It's one's called like winning, look what I did. And it's all tied to like the value. Because as Matt mentioned, it's a pretty lonely profession, but like there are things that, that we are doing for our partners that may not get recognized. And so it's like a, a forum for people to see um, what's been created and it gets, speaks to our mission. Uh, and there's also another channel that, that we're, we're starting up. It's called like My Backstory. And it's an opportunity for our teammates to share who they are, like what's made them um, into the person they are today. And so there's like all these different mechanisms. There's two examples that our people have proactively created without Matt and I telling them to do it. Um, so it's, just, it's been pretty neat to see. Yeah. I mean, that that feels, again, kind of in the larger theme here that seems to be one of the outputs of scaling is that you're putting it into the hands of the team itself to continue to, to iterate upon uh, and, and create the space to foster community, to uh, further anchor to the mission and to the vision, right? And to, to feel kind of valued as an employee. That's awesome. No, that's great. Going over to demand, let me just ask, because uh, this will probably inform kind of the, the next couple of questions. Does Rev Partners have a dedicated sales organization? And if not, or if so, and if not, how are you creating demand? Yes. Um... But we are transitioning from founder-led to sales-led. So we have grown, but not because of outbound or prospecting. As Matt likes to create commotion, cold calling is dead. (laughs) Um, And so we've had a different approach to how we've gone to market. But in terms of like direct sales reps, SDRs, um, that is not how we've been able to build. Um, And we could talk about this for a very long time if you'd like. Not dead, dying. He's not ready to, he, the, the grave isn't filled. I mean, Blockbuster still has one store open, right? Like people still go and rent videos, uh, but it's dying, right? Uh, fair. Uh, Brenna, you teed this up. Uh, we, we don't necessarily have all the time in the world. But yeah, give me the download. Like what, how does the sales function operate? I like that you asked this question. I am going to tee up Matt because Matt is the growth engine. Um, and so Matt can speak about some of the tactics that we've taken to facilitate that type of growth. Is there anything more satisfying than fielding a question, but then putting it on to somebody else to answer? That's great. It did feel good. But I also know Matt has a lot of thoughts and I think it'd be good for him fair, to fair. spit knowledge. Gosh. Oh, so, um, so 
we don't believe, I'm going to say this is, I mean, HubSpot does this. We don't, I mean, one of our metrics when we were going and even like one of our key KPIs last, like our year is this, create a metric butt ton of content. So um, what we got really good at it. So people are like, what does that even mean? It, that's what exactly it means. It means uh, we are going to make so much content that, and, it, and it's going to look like, it's just going to, we're going to be everywhere. That, that, that's, that's where it is. So, uh, the, to the, to the extent that our metric was create a butt ton of content. Yeah. <laughs> very, <laughs> very quantifiable, yeah, very time bound. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> it's like, is this an overwhelming amount of content? Yes or no. And, and so it's a lot of teaching. So we have a, uh, a lot of teaching of how do we do this and reach. So we believe we're like big believers in the dark funnel. Uh, and what I mean by that is we'll create one piece of content and then we're creating a TikTok video out of it, a LinkedIn post out of it. And today we are creating almost 60 to 80 pieces of unique content a month. We can't, we don't have enough places to distribute the amount of content. And so we're like, how do we going to market? And it's like, it's, you call it inbound, but we also care nothing about marketing attribution. Hmm. So you're not, so, uh, I can imagine butt ton or butt load is butt ton. Thank you. Is is hard to measure, but you're saying that <laughs> there's no marketing attribution underneath all of the content. You're just no. Correct. We I just mean, know that there's a there. We know that there's an impact. There's, 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 a, there's a, some there's some compass metrics, right? Sure. Like I'm like, how many LinkedIn followers are we do, and how fast are we growing? Sure. Um, so, like, it, it, are we going in the right direction? Are we gr- gaining momentum? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, are we gaining in organic traffic? Yes or no. But if it comes to, I, I spent very little time thinking about, I mean, I know who my persona was, but it's like, I was like, <laughs> here are my list of a hundred questions. What's your order of priority is I don't care. We're going to answer every single one of them. Just start, yep. start answering every question in every distribution, every location, every place. Don't worry about any of the SEO portions. Just go hard in the paint and make every piece of content. Yep. Um, I know that sounds, I mean, it sounds that that's, that's what we've done. And so that's create a lot of organic and it's, it's more like that is our, like we think about growth engine, that is how we've done. So we have very specific like ways. We have, we have YouTube, we have, we create HubSpot parodies with, uh, with Robert Jones, uh, where we do some like crazy, like take a Disney, vi- you just take something, we make parody videos. You haven't seen them. I highly recommend you watch them. Yeah, I would uh, start with the world certification week ones. I think that was, that's a good, yeah, yeah that's a good starting point. Yeah. Pokemon. That's a pretty yeah. good place um, to begin. Yeah. It is, um, I have stirred the pots where I say something very spit. Like I, I take a topic, I say something very dramatic and then we talk about it and like fill that out. So we have some outcomes. We have link. I personally, I'm doing a personal brand. I'm doing every Monday and Tuesday RP. And this is, we do a post every single day. We have a podcast we're pushing and that's our, like, we're just being everywhere to yep. all people, which has created lots of demand people reaching out to us. That's number one. How number big? Two, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. It's just, it is, then we have partners. So like very specifically, cause we do sales ops. We then are going to uh, reaching out to like VCs and PE firms, mm-hmm. right? So like you think about our two is, and all of it, like all this cover is creates really easy, warm intros sure. to all people. I'll, I'll kind of come on top and provide the contextual layer. Um, what we were looking at is who do we serve? Um, and we serve scaling B2B SaaS companies in a RevOx context. Okay. 
who do we sell to? Well, we sell to CROs and we sell to VP of sales. Okay. Well, where do they, where do they go to find information? Uh, and that's where we're going to serve content. Uh, there's also a reality that going back to that organic PPC kind of concept of like inbound takes time. Like content is a lot of work and it doesn't happen immediately. Right. Like we had zero followers on LinkedIn last year. Now we probably have, I think about 1700. Um, that took a lot of work. Um, and we couldn't rely on inbound to drive our demand. Gen. In fact, we had no demand gen from inbound last year uh, until really Q4. And now it's about 25 to 30% of our distribution. And so to Matt's point, the way in which we said, Hey, the way we start is we got to leverage relationships that have access to our ICP. And so that got into the PE, the VCs, yep. and ultimately getting into like the HubSpot relationship as well. No, that's great. I think, so that's a lot of content through a lot of channels with a lot of like creative brain power. Uh, and again, knowing that the, the anchor topic here is scale, like what's the team size, ownership? Like how does, how do you actually get a team and build a team scalably to build that volume of content? Or how do you create the time yeah. for it, right? Like, how yeah, does it have, happen? Yeah, we have two and a half people. Uh, well, actually, we had one. Uh, for the vast majority of all this time, we've had one marketing person that has created all, like, content. Um, so we've gotten really good at this process of content re, uh, repurposing. And so we create what you, I mean, what you do is you create a long form written piece of content and then you can, one piece of content can become 10 different like distribution mechanisms. So example two would be a podcast. We would splice like, it will, here's what a po one podcast for us. Just an example. Uh, we'll do a podcast episode with Brendan and his host. That is a blog. We splice those up into five different videos. So that's five different splices that we're, we're able to do. So we already have a full weeks of content plus a blog. We don't have enough days. Yep. We then can splice the content into LinkedIn, like to a little excerpts of, for me, I can, I can use it for inspiration. And we now have a layer. We have like layered almost 10 different content distributions on LinkedIn with one piece of content it, using with video images and written. And we just, all we did was a podcast episode. Is the core function of, if it's a singular marketing person, sounds like, I think you'd mentioned 2.5 now. Is, yes. the, is the core function of these folks splicing and repurposing a singular piece of content versus like net new content generation? Like, is that a fair categorization? That's their core yes. function? Repurposization? Correct. Yeah. And for those listening, you better not take Kimberly. Uh, she is fantastic. Uh, Kimberly is the one marking person that Matt talked about. You're the one that so, name dropped, you know, so the anonymity was Kimberly. your favorite. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But uh, what's fun is, I mean, Kimberly, Kimberly started as an intern for us. Um, and now she is running our brand. Um, so she has done a phenomenal job and she's building out a team and, and getting into like, you can't, I mean, it's encouragement to the, the other solution partners. Like you can create a content engine with a small team. And to Matt's point, there are tactics that you can do it. Um, but we, I mean, we have more marketing people than we have salespeople hmm. uh, because we believe in it so much. And if you look at our, I mean, look, we're still a relatively new partner. We can't rest on our directory profile to get business, meaning we have to generate business. If you look at our distribution, it's over 80% our net new logos for HubSpot. Uh, and so we had to figure out how, how do we actually create that? Uh, and it's through these different levers that we've looked at from a partnership perspective to content to getting into revenue communities um, because we we're new. So we have to, we have to, 
hunt and we have to be aggressive. Um, only, only one or two more questions for you guys as we, we get close to wrapping. The first question uh, of the two remaining that I have um, is through a metaphor of one of Brendan's favorite NFL football players, and it's Tom Brady. And I think the question oftentimes comes up after you win one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Super Bowl championships. It's like, well, what keeps you motivated and like what's next for you? And so with that metaphor in place, uh, you're the fastest to platinum, fastest to diamond, fastest to elite. So what is next? I'll let Brendan answer the question. Not that you asked me, Kevin, but I'm going to at least, I'm going to push something back. <laughs> Return the favor. It is satisfying. Uh, to, to clarify with the audience that you start here, I, I cannot stand Tom Brady, um, but I'll let that slide. Uh, to where we're going, like, like we, I'm saying this in humility, I'm trying to say this in humility, like we, we feel like we're just getting started in a lot of ways. Like if you look at where we're looking to go, um, we want to be the most strategic and influential partner that HubSpot has, like period. And so there are a lot of ways in which we accomplish that. Um, Elite was an exciting milestone, but for us, that's just a step in that direction. Um, and so really our, we're focused on executing our mission and, and loving our people well. And so when we think about our mission, how do we democratize revenue operations by making it accessible, consumable, and actionable? That really informs our product strategy. Uh, and so we're trying to uh, focus on that and what that looks like. Um, I mean, in terms of future state, we're looking not only at continuing to expand our managed services practice, but we're also looking at how do we create that sense of community that we've created within within um, Rep Partners, but also for HubSpot. And so we've launched a community um, for the admin. And so how do we allow for uh, that space to exist, to have that real-time collaboration um, communication, problem solving that we've seen within Rev Partners, but now create it for a broader base. Uh, and that runs completely independent of Rev Partners, but it's there for this community. I think it'd be a great resource for, for everyone that's called. Uh, we're also looking at our like our product strategy uh, and specifically around the apps. And so HubSpot's you know, made it very clear how much the marketplace has to grow um, from the IDC report. I think it's what, what, 14 billion over the next few years. And so we see that as an opportunity that that playbooks team that we've created uh, how do we not only use that to inform how we deliver, but ultimately how do we continue to democratize by creating apps on the marketplace um, through our product offering? That's great. Matt, what I miss? I have not a whole lot to add. No to notes. Yet. No notes. That was well done, Brendan. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. And then there's the, there's the people side, like, and that, that, that's an aspirational just in terms of how we're people. Um, so that's, that's where we're headed. Well, I, I will add this point, and um, I think HubSpot's done a good job of this. I would love to um, – part of our aspiration in building, like unlocking latent potential for human flourishing and then democratizing revenue operations is like create spaces where people stay for a very long time great community. And so HubSpot, I see all these, Hey, I'm taking my five years sabbatical in HubSpot. I would love to have a company like Rev Partners where we are having and celebrating five-year anniversaries because of the community and the camaraderie and the sense of belonging that's there. So that is also like an aspirational goal for us. Where we want to go. No, so that. hopefully we can celebrate some of those uh, in the future. Yeah. I mean, I've been, this is actually a plug for Adam Grant who wrote a book called The Originals, but they're like, he looked at like the most successful companies and they're like three characteristics of who they hire for. 
and there's like the the star, the professional, and the committed. Um, and the star gets into like high potential, like you see, like they can create. Uh, the professional gets into past experience, uh, and then the committed gets more into somebody that's more um, focused on the mission and the values. Uh, and those those are the companies that actually endure and scale much faster than the other three. And like that is ultimately what we're looking. We think about like hiring, uh, and we think about the, like the environment we're trying to create. It's those people that are committed to this mission and values that we think is really, really, really important. Um, and so that's that, that's something that we will continue to focus on. Uh, and that's also the spirit of that admin community, as that's what it's meant to be: is a, a true community, uh, a place, give a voice to that profession uh, that can, to Matt's point, feel very isolating and lonely. Yeah. Uh, fan of Adam Grant as we all are, hadn't heard uh, that kind of like three. Uh, the three types of candidates. It's awesome. No, thanks for sharing. Um, all right. Now I'm going to ask this final question uh, strategically. Uh, if folks remember the previous episode, you know, the strangest part of agency life, uh, you know, was I, we put a, we put a stop to that. Uh, RevOps is not a traditional agency, um, which we've all now learned. And so what is the strangest part of becoming an elite tiered HubSpot solutions partner? I'll go first. It's explaining to every HubSpot rep that we work with that we're not an agency, and the, and the difference and the difference between a systems integrator uh, and an agency, uh, and why it's about to be a whole different journey when we work together. That's great. What about you, Brent? It. We are, there's like the David and Goliath kind of concept. Uh, and I feel like we're adjusting to like this, um, being called elite just feels different. And I feel like it, it, it um, I'm, I'm appreciative of it, but we also like to kind of be the uh, underdog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and having the elite designation kind of feels like it changes the script a little bit. And I don't know how I feel about that. So that that has been a little bit different. Also strange. <laughs> we, also strange. Yeah, sure, sure. We, we like to make noise and now it feels like um, it kind of goes against that. But um, that would be the strangest thing from my perspective. How do we adjust to this new normal? I'll, I'll sit on this for a second. I love that. It's like before we were crying baby and uh, sometimes, and it would be, you know, cute. But now we're like oh, angry toddlers when we yell. And so like, it's different. It's just like a different, it's a different environment yeah. and we can be uh, in different. Yeah. So it's just, a, it is a different feeling. Um, well, guy, I know, uh, systems integrators unfiltered doesn't exist. So I appreciate you, uh, <laughs> you know, coming down and hanging out with us normies at agency unfiltered. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> but guys, that's all, that's all I have for you. So we'll, we'll certainly wrap here. Thanks so much for sharing your, your insights and your experiences. Congrats again on elite. Uh, but always a pleasure to chat with you both. Thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having us. It's been fun to, to catch up. Um, uh, we'd love to come again for our third time. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we are an open book or we try to be. So if there, if any partners want to reach out to us just about our, our experience, uh, you'll probably learn more about what not to do than what to do. Uh, but just know that we'd be happy to have that dialogue. Second that. Appreciate the time. Thank you. All right. And for folks tuning in, this has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered.